Good morning. Let me invite you, if you would, to take your Bible and find the book of Exodus. Genesis, Exodus. That'd be the second book in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. The message this morning is real simple. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? You know, there's a commercial that asks, what's in your wallet? For most of us, nothing, right? <laughs> it's, whatever was there is gone. We paid bills with it. But what's in your hand? That's the question Moses was asked. So, you know, the... the Children of Israel had been in captivity for quite some time, and it was time for God to deliver them from their bondage. And <clears throat> so he chose a person, he chose a man to, to make that happen, and his name was Moses. So chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Uh, now that's not Jethro from... Uh, Beverly Hills, that's not that Jethro. This Jethro had a little more wisdom than that Jethro did. But I digress, anyway. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. God likes geography. Have you noticed that? There are places all through the Bible, Old and New Testament alike, where things happen around particular geography. There have been great revivals that have broken out <clears throat> In geography, where other revivals have broken out. There have been great moves of God that have taken place in geography. And so we find here, this is the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush did not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. You know, this is not the message. This is just something the Lord is giving me right now. But sometimes God will get our attention in the most unusual ways. Have you noticed that? Now, how many of you have seen a burning bush before that didn't burn up? Anybody? Okay, Jensen raised his hand. Good job, Jensen. <laughs> Dad will have a conversation with you afterwards for that. <laughs> but how many of you have seen God in the smile of a newborn baby? You seen that? Right? right? Recently, yeah. Yeah, I bet you have. <laughs> Three times. <laughs> four times, that's right, four times. It's amazing where we can encounter God if we're just looking for him. And it's interesting, it says... God waited to see if he would notice the strange sight. God is always waiting on us to notice the strange sight. Have you noticed that? And God's patient and he's waiting. And I'm guessing that some of us, this, this strange sight we see every day that we've just ignored, that we didn't think it was God, how could God be a part of a burning bush, right? But God continues to put that same person that same situation, that same opportunity, that same thought, that same number or phrase or song in our path. And God's just waiting on us to pay attention to it. Walk over and see what it is. What does this verse mean? What does this verse really mean? 
And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from the bush. And he calls us by name. Listen, God knows your name. Don't ever doubt that God does not know who you are and where you are every moment of your life. When your pet dog passes away that you've loved for so many years, God knows your name. When your son maybe is taking a different path, God knows your name. And he knows his name too. When your job ends here, God didn't say, oh, my gosh, I didn't see that coming. Wow, I didn't, I didn't see you were about to lose your job. Right? God knows our name. He knows where we are. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The same Moses who later on said, God, I want to see your face. The, the same guy had a change of heart. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their sufferings. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Termites, <laughs> the Pesarites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, a lot of ites there. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You know, the message this morning is what's in your hand. It's about, it's about excuses, and it's about quit making excuses. That's the bottom line. Just, just quit making excuses. Years ago, Debbie and I were ministering. This is a whole other state, a whole other place. We were ministering to this lady, and she kept complaining about her job. She worked at a retail store, and she kept complaining about, I'm going to get a new job, and we would go see her and talk to her. I'm just tired of this job. I'm tired of my boss. I'm trying. And so we would say, well, um, have you prepared your resume? No, I'm working on it. And so a couple weeks later, she'd come back wanting counseling. And, and so we would talk to her. I'm working on it. Are you working on your resume? Well, I'm working on it. Can we see it? Well, no, I don't have anything really on it yet. This went on for weeks after weeks after weeks. And we finally came to the conclusion with her, so you really don't want a new job. You've not prepared a new resume. You haven't made any contacts. You haven't gone out. She kept making excuses for why she couldn't get a resume done to send out to somebody to get a new job. And so this morning, it's about us. Let's just quit making excuses. When God has called us to be something, to do something, to whatever, let's stop making excuses. Let's look at what is in our hands. So let's look at the excuses Moses came up with. He said, who am I? He said, who am I that I, that I should do this? Uh, now, here's the thing. When God says, I'm sending you, that should be the end of the, of the conversation, right? So Moses is staring at a bush that's not burning. That's pretty profound. Now you're in a desert. The bush is on fire. Flames are coming out everywhere, and it's still green. And when that happens, you know, we're all looking for a sign, right? God, if you just give me a sign, I'll... Moses had the sign. He had a flaming sign. Matter of fact, it was a neon sign. It was flashing red, right? Red and yellow and red and yellow, whatever the flame's color were. It was flashing. Here's your sign, Moses. And Moses said, I just don't know if I can do that. 
He encountered the living God, saw his face and hid his face from his face. And he said, I, I just started making excuses. Who am I? The first thing he went to is, who am I? That's the problem with us serving is we're always looking at I. You know, the middle letter of sin is what? Oh, no, I just didn't say that, did I? It is, right? The, the, it's I. We have an I problem. We have iPhones. We have iPads. We have iPods. We have iScooters. We, have, we now have iCars. You can get in the thing and push a button and it drives you somewhere, unless it runs into the back of a pickup truck or something, or, <laughs> or a police car like one did, or a fire truck like one did. We have I everything, right? Moses said, who am I? Well, God could have told him who he was. Here's who Moses is. Moses was an abandoned child. Did you know that? The first one recorded in the Bible, and I'm sure there were some others, but he was an abandoned child. His mama put him in a little boat that she made and stuck him in the river, and you know the rest of the story. Pharaoh's daughter found him and said, oh, he's so cute. I'm going to take him home with me and pet him and love him and feed him and change him, and, you know, and she did. As a matter of fact, she went and got his own mama to come, you know, feed him. He was an abandoned child. He was a snake handler. Right? Remember the story? Right? He wanted to sign another sign. God said, What's, what do you have in your hand? I've got a staff. Throw it down. It became a snake. He said, pick it back up again. God said, I, Moses said, are you serious? <laughs> That's a snake. I ain't picking it up. He was a snake handler. He was a songwriter. There are several songs in the Bible that he wrote. He was a prophet. He prophesied things that were going to take place. He was a shepherd. He had a lot of sheep. He was also a murderer. Remember that story? Remember the story? Yeah. If you don't go back and read it, he murdered somebody. So when he says, who am I? God says, well, I'll give you the list. You're an abandoned child. You're a snake handler. You're a songwriter. You're a murderer. You're a prophet. You're a shepherd. But I still want to use you. In spite of all that, I, I still want to use you. I want to use you. Who am I that you should send me? And God says, uh, well, I'll be with you. Once again, that should be enough, right? First excuse, who am I? And the first comeback, God says, well, I'm going to be with you. I'm just not going to leave you hanging when I ask you to do this thing. And here's the thing. When God asks you to do something, he's not going to leave you hanging. The other day I was in a store talking to the cashier. And you know how you exchange, have a nice day, have a nice day. So she said, have a nice day. I said, have a nice day. And the Holy Spirit said, say something else to her. And so I said, I hope you have a blessed day. She said, I sure need one. She said, I really need prayer. I wish you'd pray for me. And she didn't know me. This is the first time I've met this woman. I wish you'd pray for me. You know, pray for me. I said, okay, what do you need prayer for? Stopped her right there. What do you need prayer for? And she told me this whole long story about what she's been dealing with, what she's going through. And she told me this. She said, I'm trying, I'm trying to adjust myself to be more like Jesus in this situation. What a message. I'm trying to adjust myself to be more like Jesus in the situation. And that's what I need you to pray for me to do. I'm like, wow, that's powerful. Yes, ma'am, I'll do that. So I did. You know, the Holy Spirit will prompt us. He's always with us. And when I was standing there talking to her, God was with me. And he said, speak these words to her. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? <laughs> then what shall I say to them? Moses, he just, I'm going to the Israelites now, uh, and what if they want to know what your name is? Instead of, hey, y'all, y'all tired of being beat up and beat up and beat up and, and beat up some more and not have enough to eat, not have enough whatever. Are y'all tired of this? Y'all come follow me. They're going to sit and ask your name. 
What will I say to them? God said to Moses, well, I, I am. I am who I am. I will be who I will be is another interpretation of it. Ahay, Asher, Ahay. I am who I am. Well, you would think that'd be enough. God had just told Moses, I'm everything you'll need. I'm everything they'll need. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God is your I am who I am. He's everything you need and always will be everything you need. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And he's everything in between. He knows the beginning of your life. He knows the end of your life. He was there when you were created in the womb. And he will be there when you enter into eternity. And everywhere in between. There's never a time when God is not with you. There's never a time when you're out of his presence. There's never a time when you can't be in his love. There's absolutely nothing you can do, say, or think that will drive him away from you. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not powerful enough to run God off out of your life. Did you know that? Neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Now go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, so forth and so on, a land flowing with milk and honey. I have promised to bring you up out of your misery. Anybody miserable this morning? Taylor's not miserable. Good job, Taylor. That's awesome, buddy. Anybody in here ever been miserable? We can, all, we can all raise a hand on that one, right? If we have any age on us. God says, I want to bring you out of your misery. God does not want you to be miserable. God does not give you misery to prove a point. Right? We choose misery. Right? Because of things we think or do or say. We choose misery. Now, other people can choose misery for us. You may be married to somebody or in a job or... Another relationship where people choose to pour misery on you, that's a whole other conversation. But if you're in misery that you've chosen, misery that you've brought upon yourself, God says, I want to bring you out of the misery. I don't want you to be miserable. Matter of fact, in John 10, 10, it says, I have come to give you life, life more miserable. Isn't that what it says? What does it say? Abundantly. What does it say in the beginning of that verse? The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy and make your life miserable. But I have come to give you life, abundant life. Not just plain life, abundant life. Life with some salt on top of it, right? The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders will go to the kingdom of Egypt and say, The Lord God of the Hebrews has, uh, has met us. Let us take a three-day journey to the desert to offer sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he'll let you go. After, after I put him in the headlock, right, <laughs> long enough, he's going to let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people so that when you leave, you will not leave empty handed. 
I'm going to put Pharaoh in a headlock, and everybody else is going to give you money. Every woman is to ask her neighbor, anyone living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. This is a great promise. It's a great promise. It's the same promise we have today. Whatever the enemy has stolen from you, God wants to restore to you. But you have to be willing to ask for that and step into it and receive it when it comes. God says, I'm, I'm just going to deliver you out of your misery, but I'm just not going to deliver you out of your misery, right? When you walk out of the misery, people are going to start throwing money at you. Now, I don't mean that literally, but in this case, they threw money at him, gold and silver. Here, please leave. Here, take this with you. I want, you to, I want to bless you with this or get good riddance. Whatever they did, they gave it to him. God wants the same thing to happen to us. When we come up out of our misery, he says, I want you to be blessed with something else in your life. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's new friends. Maybe it's a new car. Maybe it's a new job. But I want to bless you with something new in your life. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? You're crazy. You are cray cray, right? <laughs> then the Lord asked him and said, What's in your hand? Moses just keeps making excuses, right? Burning bush, God's telling him all these great things, and he's still asking questions. What's in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Now, Moses was a shepherd, so he had a shepherd's staff. Usually a shepherd carried a rod and a staff. The staff had a crook on it, like you've seen, the, you know, at, at, around Christmas time. You see the little thing, and that's to grab a sheep and pull them back out of a ravine or whatever. The staff was a stick with like a knob on the end of it that you'd, you'd beat a wolf in the head with when it came close. Rod and staff. Rod and staff shall comfort me, right? Remember that scripture? The rod was to beat something with uh, that was a threat to the sheep. Right? So here, Moses probably had a rod and a staff, but for sure he had, a, he had the staff in his hand. He said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, it became a snake. And he ran from it. How many of y'all run from snakes? Let me see Anybody? Okay. Good job. How many of you run to go get a gun when you see a snake? <laughs> Two of you are brave enough to admit it, right? Yeah. Me personally, I just like to go get my field knife. I fetch me my field knife and I just grab it like that. You get the lawnmower. <laughs> oh, that's that's brutal. Wow. <laughs> that is brutal. <laughs> Man. <laughs> it works. <laughs> Remind me not to make you mad. <laughs> Is that a push more or riding lawnmower? Push more. <laughs> you are brutal. That's tough. And he ran from it. He ran from the snake. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses, who had run from it, had to, steal, had to run go chase it now. Okay, the snake's trying to get away. The snake's just as scared of you as it's scared of everybody else, right? And so it's running away, and Moses had to chase it down and grab it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into the staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous, white as snow, the skin was starting to rot off. That's what leprosy is. The skin rots, rots off your bones. Okay? And it was so he put his hand back in his cloak. So Moses put his hand back in. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, 
They may believe the second. But if they do not believe those two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. That's pretty icky, right? Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. That's not the only thing he was slow of. (laughs) He was slow of obedience. He was slow of obedience. He was a slow learner, a very slow learner. Now, get the picture here. You got the God who creates everything, burns a bush, gives a great story, shows three miracles, right? Snake, the, the skin, the, the, the blood. Three miracles to Moses. And Moses comes up with the lame excuse, well, I, I just really can't talk too good. I'm, I'm not a good talker. You know the number one fear in America is speaking in public. Did you know that? I just can't talk in public. I'm scared. Did God know he had a stutter when he invited him to join him in ministry? He did, didn't he? Does God know that you're not perfect when he invites you to minister to somebody? Right? Right? God doesn't call the qualified. He what? He qualifies those who are called. And we're called every day to be on mission for him. At work, at play, wherever we go, we're called to be on mission. That doesn't mean we're going to minister every day. That's not what I'm saying. I'll be a missionary every day. But we're called to be ready every day to be either a minister or a missionary to somebody and where we go. You may work all day and there not be a single person you can help. That's fine. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There may be a day when the 10 people get lined up at your door for some reason that you help. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's not your job. Your job is to be alert and ready and waiting and willing and not continue to make excuses for why you can't tell somebody about Jesus. Moses was slow of obedience, slow of speech. He had a stutter of some kind. We don't know exactly what it was, but he starts complaining to God about it. And God's like, man, man I picked you. I picked you. Yeah, you're not perfect. I get that. You know, you're ugly and your mama dresses you funny. I get that, right? <laughs> and you got bad breath, you know. But I'm still going to use you. I'm still going to use you. Listen, listen. There's absolutely no excuse that you can come up with before God to not be obedient to God. There's no excuse you can come up with No excuse you can come up with about being obedient to God. None. Because he already knows you. He knows everything about you. And yet he still chose you. He said, I like you. I love you. I'm going to use you. I've never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I guess Moses thought he was going to get an instant miracle and stutter was going to go away. But God said, no, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Whoops. It's your breath and our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. Right? Isn't that what the song says? Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak. And we'll teach you what to say. Moses said, Lord, please send somebody else. (laughs) Lord, please, please send somebody else. Please send somebody else. 
Once again, slow learner. Here's the God of all creation that's performed miracles in front of him, the burning bush, the miracles, the three miracles that he had of himself that he was able to do. God's telling him who he is. He gave him his name, Ahay Asher. Ahay, I am who I am. Please send somebody else. I really don't want to do this. But then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, well, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. And his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I'll help you. I'll help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you. And it will be as if were your mouth as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the miraculous signs with it. You know, I think the I think the saddest commentary we, that we give on the power of God in our lives is to say, Lord, please send somebody else. That means we really don't trust God's power in our life. That's really what we're saying. Right? right? You know, when God selects you for a task, it's because he knows you can do it. When he selects you for a task, it's because he really wants to do that task through you. When he selects you for a task, it's because he sees you as his son or his daughter, and he wants to bless you with that task. When he sees you, when he gives you a task, when he asks you to do something, it means he can trust you with it. That's powerful. That's powerful. Parents who are old enough, do you remember when you gave the keys to your child for the first time and they drove for the first time without you or someone else in the car? Do you remember? Do you remember how that felt? There was a measure of trust you had in them. There was a measure of confidence you had in them. You were scared to death, you know, and you sat by the phone the whole time and, you know, waiting on the call. Maybe followed them around a little bit to see, you know, how they were doing. Nowadays, you can put a GPS tracker on it or watch from Google Sky or Google Earth or Google Tree or Google whatever. God has the same confidence in us. He gives us the key and says, Moses, here's the key to to leading a million people out of Egypt, out of bondage, and I'm giving you the key. I trust you with this. Hey, and if if you bump into this or that, I'll be there. I'm going to help you. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll teach you what to do. That's what he says. I'll teach you what to do. And he did. And Moses let the people out. And his God knew what he was capable of doing. God knows what you're capable of doing because it's not his power. It's not our power. It's his power working in us to enable us to be and to do all these calls to be and to do. So this morning, what's your excuse? What's your excuse for for not being obedient to what God's called you to be and to do. What's in your hand? Can you sing? Can you serve? Can you witness? Can you pray? What's in your hand that God's given you to use already? And you've just been kind of holding on to it. Let's stop making excuses. Let's say, here am I, send me, like Isaiah did. Isaiah encountered the living God just like Moses did. A little bit different version of it. Isaiah chapter 6, I encountered the living God. And he saw heaven open up. And he saw 
cherubim flying around singing what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. In other words, sinful people. Woe is me. And, and the Bible says an angel came and put a coal on his mouth, symbolizing healing. And God says, I've got an assignment. And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Let's don't be Moses. Let's be Isaiah. Let's say, Lord, here am I, send me. So tomorrow, in the morning, when you wake up, just simply say, Lord, here am I, send me. See what God does in your life. It'll be amazing. Just say yes. Let's not make excuses anymore. Father, I thank you so much for this day. Father, I thank you for how you loved Moses and used him in spite of himself. Father, I pray that you would help us all to become more like Isaiah and saying, here I am, send me. Than Moses making excuses and saying, Lord, please send someone else to do this. Father, thank you for loving us enough to use us. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us to be used by our Father. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the energy, the power, the knowledge, the wisdom in our lives to minister to people in the name of Jesus. Father, as the body of Christ, we put down our excuses today and we pick up our obedience and say, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.